0: All right, there, friends. Good morning. Your favorite host, clearly, Jared B. Fishman, Twenty sided Gamified Podcast. Also, are um, on again, off again, more on again. Kelly McManus, what's going on, Kelly? Hey, how you doing, Jared? The real question is, how are you doing? Because I heard <laughs> that meek sort of introduction there. Right? How you
1: feeling? I'm I'm feeling good. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm good.
0: So for our audience, I mean, this is really the like the plight of America, right? Kelly McManus takes the week off, and his reward is he gets sick. But he cares enough about this pod that he's here.
1: I mean, so far as being sick it doesn't matter. I get to do painting and stay at home and all true. that fun stuff. So that is out. true. <laughs> Which for most
0: of us, that's what we want to do anyway. I guess yeah. right. <laughs> all right. So here. Um, Again, far more important than myself. Maybe a little bit more important than Kelly, I don't know. We have a couple of guests today who I'm going to introduce in a second. It's a little friend cast. These are folks that we know and that we love. Um, some stuff going on with NextGen um, and obviously the podcast. So a couple things. So in terms of where we're going to be, so we're gonna, in early December we're going to be at PAX, and Kelly and I are going to be there. We're going to run some demo games, going to pass some cards out, going to talk to some folks. I think that'll be a lot of fun. I'm going to be at Salute 2024 in the UK. Uh, thank you, Brunswick School, for sending me there to do uh, some panel work um, about education and games. You may remember Bella Lutie, um, uh my buddy Peter from overseas. I think we're going to run something there together, so we'll have to see uh, how that goes. Just wrapped up another uh, corporate workshop with some... New Jersey County employees, same group I worked with last time, so we uh, we did that uh, a few weeks ago, which was a lot of fun. And just in general, you know, in terms of Next Gen itself, um, we've got some library gigs coming up in Greenwich, in New Canaan, Darien, so lots of stuff going on. Always fun. Kelly, what's going on in your life before I introduce our uh, esteemed colleagues and guests? What's going on with you?
1: Not much. I'm an other, other than the work uh, for 20 <laughs> Sided developing a banner. So if you head to PAX, you'll hopefully see us. The great um, artist. That's what we yeah. should start calling you, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fake graphic designer. Indeed. Um, yeah, th- I've been helping HMGS come out with a little promotional bit that they're going to hand out as well at PAX. Um, and that's about
0: it. No, that's good. And you enjoyed, yeah. other than being sick, you enjoyed your week off, I hope.
1: Oh, yeah, it's great. I get to sleep in a lot. Now that rumor, I'm sick, rumor. I have more of an excuse to sleep in. Oh, I see.
0: <laughs> so we should save this for maybe later or maybe another pod. But rumor has it you, you finally found a World War II game, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so maybe we'll save that for later. We'll have to see what our timing looks like, you know? Sounds good. All right. I think it's time, right? Oh, yeah. I think it's time. Okay, here we go. So, um, you know what's funny about making friends, especially good friends? Um, even though Steve and I, I don't know, we've probably hung out half a dozen times. But, you know, when you have a friend that you don't remember where you met them or how you met them, (laughs) I I would put Steve and Shelby into that category. Um, They're great, awesome gamers. Um, If you were at Historicon, you would know them because they were the ones who put on all of those amazing French and Indian War uh, or Seven Years' War, whatever you want to call it, games out in the, I don't know what you would call it, maybe the lobby and they were running games there pretty much for the entire weekend. Um, they're here, they're our guests today. Um, and we're gonna talk a little bit about some rules development. We've we've talked about these kinds of things before on the pod. You know, what are the best kind of games to run at conventions versus, you know, like at a club or something along those lines. And Shelby is quite the terrain builder. And she's gonna talk a little bit about I don't know. I think it was a gift. I think Steve will have to uh, talk a little bit more about this. But basically, she's the one who built the giant fort that you saw. Um, And I have made it literally one of my major goals, which is to credit Shelby for making this fort. And she's going to talk all about you know, how it, how it uh, came out. And by the way, before they introduce themselves, if you go on um, – well, you can go on YouTube to um, you know the sort of – I think it's an older page that they ran. But the, you know they would put videos up and things about different gaming endeavors. Um, Steve is Armchair Emperor on Instagram and Shelby's Moonstone Monarch. And I think I got both those right. All right. I've been long-winded enough. Steve and Shelby. Hello.
2: Hi. Hey, good morning, Jen. How hi. How are
0: you guys doing? Good. Thanks
2: for having us. Great.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I don't know, uh, McManus. Do you want to say hi too? Because you guys, you guys have a history which we've talked about, but it's a weird history. Yeah, right? it's
1: a very, it's a very weird history. So um, this
0: came up a, a couple of weeks ago, but I don't know, Kelly. Do you want to?
3: Or maybe actually, we talk enough.
0: Yeah. Steve. Rumor has it that you, you knew Kelly a long time so ago.
3: We went to high school together. We must have crossed paths. There was this great history teacher um, who no longer works for the high school where we graduated, but he ran a small tabletop board gaming club where we played a lot of board war games, Risk, Axis, and Allies, Hex Encounter, Map-type games, Area Control games. Um, we always had this sort of idea that of doing a miniature game, at least when I was there it never got together. Kelly, did uh, Mr. Laipiece ever do that, a miniature game?
1: uh no I, I was only there for one i think that's like when he stopped running uh the club um and we we set up access and allies and
0: that was it yeah that's pretty much what we did when i was there too <laughs> so you guys were probably in the same room at some point but didn't sure. know each other very likely and then yeah almost but shortly then, but then because of gaming you you ended up kind of contacting each other later i guess is well, that we, true?
1: We ran, at, we ran into each other at your, your place when you ran the, that big um,
0: uh, battle God. game. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Yeah. So I actually didn't know this. Wait a minute. So you guys, that was the first... I thought that you guys had been gaming together for years. No. Oh, uh, that's, that's even
3: weirder. No, it's not, yeah. It's that's one of even those weirder. I earlier, I actually don't remember where we met, but Kelly just, yeah, it was probably at your house. Yeah, <laughs> that is super
0: weird. So, I guess transitioning from the weird, um, why, don't we, why don't we start here? Why don't we start here? So, and, and Shelby and Steven, you guys can kind of jump in as you see fit. Um, I always love talking origin stories. So, how did you guys get into gaming? Uh, w- maybe we should start there. Where does that start? So, I don't know if, uh, well, Shelby, you haven't got a chance yet. And yeah. You're gonna be um, one of, you're re- yeah, like, you, come on. You can, you can do this. You can start. Go so- for
2: it. Steve and I met at a community college. Um, it's really funny because uh, we met in a, a writing class in Writing 102. Um, and it was funny because Steve had failed the first time. Um, <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> and, I, and it was my first time taking it, but it was the reason why we met. Um, and uh, we actually got into gaming like really early on. Um, he was introducing me to Warhammer at the time uh, when we were just first dating and I had told him that I had played D and D in the past. Um, and so he was showing me, uh, the minis and the rules for, um, Warhammer, uh, before, um, you know, they switched everything over. Um, it was really fun. Uh, so we really got into that and I, you know, he showed me the wood elves cause I used to play elves in D and D. Um, And so we just kind of got into it that way. And and I really fell in love with um, painting was really my favorite thing um, because I'd never really gotten into the miniature. Like I played D&D before, like miniatures were like a big thing um, in the D&D world too. Uh, So it was really cool to put all the wood elves and stuff together. And, you know, we really started off with with that with Warhammer. That's cool. So when was this? How long ago? Uh, That was 2015.
0: Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. You guys have been together for a long time. Yeah yep. No. very cool. That's awesome. Now the real question though is Steve, do you remember this the same way? So I would, do you, or, or or do you have a different perspective, or is that everything line up
3: there? Oh so, no, that that all lines up. Yeah, I did fail the class. that's why I had to read. <laughs> 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 <That's not laughs> it. But, but
2: it was yeah. so cute though, because um, he uh, gave me a book that he thought would be in my interests, and then yeah. I gave. That I thought would be in his interest. Roman and just Sort nice. of started talking, and um, you know, went out on a, on a date from there. I'm literally, um,
0: war- This this is literally warming my heart in the same way. In the same way as when we went to a store con, watching the two of you run um, your game together. I, I'll I'll frame it this way: both of you have different skill sets, and when you kind of put them all together, it's like it was it was just like seamless. That's the way the game kind of ran, you know.
3: Thank, Is that you. True? Thank you. Is, yeah, yeah. For, for for the most part, um, you know, when you're running convention games, there's a lot that can go wrong, but most things went right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. It was amazing. We had a uh, a really great turnout. Our, our some of our games got double booked. There yeah. was a there was an error in the computer system, so the one game which was meant to have eight players ended up having sixteen players. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we were able to handle that. Volume without really mm-hmm. the game breaking down, you know, into fisticuffs was, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Like considering,
0: yeah. No, very true. So, um, I want to loop Kelly in here. So, Kelly, do you remember that moment when we were sort of walking through and kind of spotted these guys running that game? Oh yeah, yeah. No, how did I, you feel?
1: I, it was, it was amazing. Like, I mean, I'm always saying like, oh yeah, this is beautiful. This is amazing. But no, that was really, really cool to see how large the table was, how many people you are able to get in and interact with. Um, I, that, that's
0: what I imagined a convention should be, and it was that. So that was really cool. Yeah. So here's a question for the two of you. When did you guys decide to take... So it sounds like you, know, you have this mutual interest, you like role-playing, you like uh, tabletop games, war games, things like that. Do you remember when you decided let's bring this to a convention and really do it? Because I mean... I've run plenty of games at cons, but it's one thing to run one game, it's another to run the amount that you guys did. So when when did you both make that decision?
2: Um I mean, I don't know if it was kind of like a a clear moment where we made the decision. I mean, we had gone to Historicon um and Cold Wars uh a few times um together. Uh you know, we had built up over time, we had played a lot of games, we we talked about YouTube, um, yeah. making YouTube videos of our games, and then we, you know, we made a website for painting commissions for miniatures, um, and you know, created our brand with Armchair Emperor. Um, and then as we went to more cons, I think it just kind of came naturally where Steve had, you know, painted a lot of um, French and Indian, you know, war minis. Uh, and we had so many of them and then, you know, had wanted to run, you know, even just on our own, like a bigger game. And then, you know, when I came up with the idea of of um, making uh, Fort William Henry for him, I think it all just kind of fell into place because um, that was like a, you know, a few months, six months or so before the next Historicon. So I think it all just kind of came together, not in one moment, but in just sort of multiple um, things that just culminated together. No, that to makes res- sense.
0: Yeah. Now, look, I, I often make this joke. I like to get a little controversial at times. So this, this, might, this might be that moment. And again, I'm not poking at anybody. I just want to be super clear. So if you're listening out there and it sounds like I'm talking about you, I mean, it, that might be the case, but I'm really doing this in a lighthearted way. So one of, the, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to do this, right? Besides, like, I like you both. So obviously I wanted to talk to you, but I'm not going to lie. Like walking around that table – and looking at the fortress and looking at you, Shelby, who the amount of humility you have and how humble you are, right? You're kind of running the game. And everybody started walking around the table making assumptions about who made all of that terrain. Well, you did. So what I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of credit here because that piece of terrain, which hopefully we'll, I'll get some photos of and I'll post on, um, on our Instagram page. But you made all of that. Yeah. So... Awesome, like ridiculously cool. So, again, like where does the impetus come for this? Like, when did you decide to make this sport? How did it sort of shake out? Because, again, like I hope I'm not over talking here, but I don't think Steve knew you were making it, right?
2: No, he didn't know. He had no idea. I I know that he wanted um, uh, one online that was like $400 and, you know, it wasn't even quite the right scale uh so i was actually talking to my friend at work and she's also very crafty i mean she's not she doesn't do any of the miniature gaming or anything but she builds a lot of crafts and she was like we can make that right do it and just sort of like gave me that sort of push to just because i had thought about making it and i was like oh i don't think i can make that it's so big and you know i've never worked with any of that kind of stuff before um and it was how, just does
0: keep, how does one keep this a secret, Shelby? I'm just sorry to interrupt, but I, I just have to ask you, how do you keep something like this a secret?
2: I don't think I could have if it wasn't for my friend because you can't hide something that's that big and work right. on it, and you know, we have a small-ish apartment. Um, right. So she let me work on it entirely at her house um, and keep it there so that Steve couldn't see it. Um, I think I was able to keep it a pretty good secret for a while. <laughs> right. um, I think that he kind of like caught on to it a little bit towards the end, but I don't know if he knew exactly what it was.
3: Right. Well, I, start, I started to see like a lot of strange purchases like at Home Depot for <laughs> insulation board and we weren't insulating anything, uh, which, it's you amazing. know, uh, <laughs> so I knew there was, there was something afoot. I wasn't sure what, or I figured maybe there was a big home renovation project about to happen because uh, Shelby said we rent an apartment, but it's in <laughs> a building uh, that that our family owns and we're always right. doing some kind of work. So I thought, you know, okay, maybe this has to do with with the house, um, but uh i, I also saw like gorilla glue and uh, yeah, and you know. <laughs> um, uh,
2: the spray paint um, yep. that you can use on foam, yeah, so um, I think, as you know, and my deadline was Christmas, you know, I wanted <laughs> Steve had always talked about, and I'm sure a lot of listeners can really relate to this, that kind of Christmas morning effect of like you know waking up unwrapping you know new minis or if it's terrain or whatever and really just getting that joy as a kid of like playing um with all your stuff and you know that kind of um you know beginning of the story of sort of your journey of getting into miniatures and wargaming and stuff like that so um i really wanted him to wake up and see the tree and then see the fort and have it just be painted and ready to go, and for him to be able to write then and there, you know, have it and have the minis and all that kind of stuff out. So, um, you know, having the deadline really helped me break it down and make sure that I got certain parts of it done. You know, and I got it done in about six weeks. So,
0: right, that's awesome, Kelly. Yeah. So,
1: so how. Two questions. A, Stephen, is that the best gift you've ever received? And two, how do you sneak something that big in? So I guess like for your listeners, Jared, um, they both work in 54 mil, right? So they, these are big models. You need a big fort for those big models. So A, is this the best gift? And B, how do you sneak that
0: in Christmas morning? great questions. Oh, by the way, Kelly, there are listeners. You got to take on – you got to have I, a I, stronger I, presence I, here, <laughs> Kelly. Like <laughs> You are the co-host. So all right. So, yes, these are great questions. Go for it, guys.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It was the best gift I've ever gotten uh, in my life. And as far as, you know, Shelby getting it into the house, um, I think it was in the car, until well, you brought it in yeah right? the way
2: that that i wanted to design it um was that it, so that it could be broken down into peat into sections modular yeah um you know so that one i could get it into the house and two so that we could store it without it you know being as likely to break mm-hmm. um so i did I, I put it in the car i think i told you that i was going on a you know some sort of errand um and then i i kind of kept it in the car and parked the car away from the house. And then, you know, the next day like snuck in the pieces um, and just told him he couldn't go in like a certain part of the house where I had them, so.
3: Which is fine because I usually do a lot of cooking around Christmas, so I'm usually in the kitchen doing preparations for all kinds of food stuff. Um, so I, I stay out of that room anyway. Yeah, I yeah. just told
2: him I hadn't completely finished wrapping everything, so not
3: but to yeah. go in that one room. 54 but, yeah. millimeter stuff is really, big. really big. Yeah. Uh, You know, 132nd scale, as some people call it, um, isn't really a wargaming scale, as I'm sure you guys know. It's not a typical wargaming scale, let's say. But oddly enough, it's sort of where the hobby started if you go all the way back to Little Wars. You know, playing with old Britain's, you know, hollow metal cast toy soldiers. And, you know, it's really sort of the origin story of the hobby or part of it.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So, well, you've definitely sold me. I was never a fan of 54 millimeter figures, like, but seeing your setup, um, it's pretty awesome. And also too, I would wonder, I'd be curious what your really, all of your collective takes are on this. I feel like I'm seeing more of it as of late. Mm-hmm. Is, am I crazy? I mean, I might be, but.
2: I mean, I think I've seen more of it. I don't know if that's just because like, that's what Steve shows me and stuff, but I've even seen more of it in like the magazines and stuff that we get. Um, mm-hmm. uh, um, and I think it's just I think it's being taken a little more seriously. I think the the overall kind of view of it was that it was sort of silly and not taken seriously. Um, and I think now that there are more and more rule sets coming out, you know, and Steve's rule sets, especially. Right. Uh, I think now there's it's being taken a little bit more seriously. And, and the painting, I mean, like you can get a lot of detail in those eyes. So I think that's another really big part of it, too.
0: Yeah. and And Steve. I guess we could argue that's really your realm right like in terms of this project you're the you love to paint right
3: yeah uh we had a miniature painting business for a while actually and i'll still do commissions for a few friends here and there but the the business itself the llc i, I closed but yeah i i paint a lot of miniatures um i kind of fell into the 54 millimeter thing because since i was a kid my grandparents and my parents were always buying me toy soldiers um right. and i had this massive collection i was too nostalgic about it to piece it out and sell it to buy proper wargaming miniatures, so I started to get this idea of what if I took these toy soldiers and used them as wargaming pieces, right. essentially. Um, you know, and because all of wargaming is an abstraction, I thought it would probably be fine as long as you, you know, made a rule set that, uh, you know, functioned in a way that you know you could actually do some maneuvering and moving, and it's not, yeah, uh, you know. But as far as the painting goes, yeah, I started painting about six hundred miniatures for this project before i got the fort before i knew anything about the fort just because i knew i wanted to do something with my collection of toy soldiers from when i was a kid and they were either going to sit in a basement i was going to sell them or i was going to do something with them and and the most attractive proposition to me was to do something with them so i started painting a few years back uh shelby mentioned that it wasn't how i started in the hobby i started in warhammer Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Warhammer fantasy fifth or sixth edition was my first game after that 40 K. Um, you know, I played a little bit of Warmaster uh, you know, here and there. Uh, but as far as this type of thing goes, I just couldn't justify buying like some really nice multi-part plastic parry miniatures or something like that. When I had this giant collection of almost every period from ancient Rome versus Carthage to world war II. Right. In one thirty second. And and as I said before, I was either gonna sell it or or you know, move on.
2: Well and and just hey, Kelly.
3: oh sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you you can go. <laughs> uh,
2: just for a visualization in our basement, we have um these different little sectioned off um spaces for each of our tenants. And we have one that we have filled up with like house stuff, and the other one is all miniatures and all wargaming gaming <laughs> stuff. So just as it as, should be <laughs> just as a visual, you know. Uh, for
1: listeners. So with the massive collection, before Christmas, you guys are planning on doing something at Historicon, correct? Mm-hmm. So what was that initially going to be? Was it going to be French and Indian War? Sure. Or um, did just getting the fort solidify like, okay, we're doing Fort William Henry.
3: I thought I was going to be doing a lot of skirmishes. like So basically, um, the raid scenario that you and I tested out the other day, Kelly, I was going to use something like that. Uh, you know, s- basically have a central objective—a cabin or a town—that the raiders would need to burn. Whether that's the British and their Native American allies, or the French and their Native American allies, uh, I was going to do something very, very low key, simple like that initially. I don't think that game was low-key at all. But <laughs> I'm glad, yeah. Especially the, the, the edible command point markers were a hit.
1: <laughs> I
0: hope you do that. I, I do hope you implement <laughs> that. Indeed. So making a little bit of a transition, right? Um, so again, jump in if I'm wrong. You guys love Lake George, right? And the, yeah. the fort is, is Fort William Henry? Yes. Okay, gotcha. And I guess, Shelby, you must have known, I guess, how much Steve loves that time period and loves that particular place. Is that Was that the sort of inspiration?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we go up there multiple times during the summer and the fall. Um, we usually, uh, every year, um, our wedding anniversary is in October, so we usually go up if not Lake George, then very close in the area in the Adirondack. So it's really been a place that we've fallen in love with. And every time we go up, we we usually go to Fort William Henry. Um, And, uh, you know, I knew that that was also one of his favorite time periods. Right. Um, So, you know, that's what really set it. You know, it was either uh, the two different forts I was trying to decide between in the beginning was Fort William Henry or Fort Ticonderoga. Gotcha. Um, The issue with Fort Ty was that it was a lot bigger and a lot more irregular. And I thought for my first fort, it might be too difficult. Um, Even though Fort William Henry technically in its original, the original way that it was built is not symmetrical. The way that I built it is. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Just to make the design a little bit simpler. Um, But yeah, that was why I chose that
0: one. Gotcha. So let's talk rules at this point. So... Steve, can you walk us through how you kind of came upon the rules that you decided to use? Because I'm lo- I'm sure our uh, listeners out there would love to kind of hear, because it's not easy to run a game and it's certainly not easy to run the amount that you guys did. And it's not easy to do it at that scale. So talk to us. Um, where just start in terms of rules?
3: So since I was a, a kid, I had friends who would sort of play test homebrew rules with me. And, you know, when we were younger, we'd just play like everything was Warhammer fantasy, but instead of goblins versus, you know, Empire spearmen, we would just use those stats and put them on historical armies. Yep. Um, so I always borrowed from rule sets that I enjoyed. Uh, some rule sets that I've been enjoying playing lately are the Osprey Blue Book series um, for Skirmish Scale. One of the things, though, that would slow that rule system down in convention play with a lot of players would be testing for orders. So basically in the blue book series, you need to roll a two dice test to see if your unit is going to do the action that you order it to do move, shoot, charge. And if you fail generally in the blue book series, your whole war bands turn ends that can be right. highly frustrating in tournament or convention play. Um, you know, it's fine amongst friends, you know, one-on-one games, two-on-two games. When you have 16 players, If the entire French army just stands there to get shot at because of one bad role, someone's going to walk away from the table. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to include that portion of the rules.
0: That's smart. Uh, No, that's super smart.
3: So I I use that as a jumping off point, sort of a little bit of uh, Lion Rampant mixed in with a little bit of Rebels and Patriots. Um, I also wanted to deviate from those systems a little bit and make uh, morale uh, more of a thing. So for morale tests, I basically use something that I borrowed from Games Workshop Games um, and just modified it a little bit, uh, getting back into, you know, sort of crafting and terrain making. Shelby made resin uh, panic counters where it has an exclamation point on one side set into a resin round chip. And on the other side, it says flee. So there's a two-step process where if you fail your first morale check, you become disordered. uh, And then if you fail a second one, you begin to flee. Um,
2: and on the smart. turn you're just you can't do anything, but you're not running yet. It's your next turn where you see if you're gonna run or not. Exactly, yeah,
0: smart. Very cool. And you guys made those markers.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah,
0: yeah. You guys pretty much make everything, huh? I mean,
3: yeah. We we buy a few things, you know. I'm, I'm like any opportunistic war gamer. If I see something at Wally's basement or at a toy soldier show or a model railroad show that looks cool, I'll just pick it up. Right. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, a lot of scatter terrain was purchased. um, But some of it we made, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: I think that's really why we got away from all the Warhammer and Games Workshop stuff was just because it got so expensive. Oh, yeah. You're, and you're just stuff. so
3: locked in because we
2: played Age of Sigmar and 40k for a while and it was right. just so much and the rules are updated so often so then you have to keep changing so I think we yeah, really yeah. went in the direction of historical, uh, especially with 54 millimeter because we had everything <laughs> and because it felt more like you could make all of the terrain to go with it and it would just go together you know it didn't all have to be Citadel.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Should I? I mean, are should we pick on Games Workshop? Because I, I feel like it's just so easy.
3: I actually ah, they, love they, Games Workshop games. I, I don't. I, think I hear that, you. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's where I started the hobby, I'll always have a soft spot for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't currently have the ability to keep up with the constant rules updates yeah M- maybe when i'm an individually wealthy country gentleman <laughs> in <this> system, <laughs> sometime in the future <laughs> uh yeah. you know I'll, I'll have the money to get back into games workshop and at that point i will or if i win the lottery yeah. uh, like or maybe this... if
0: this podcast takes off then uh, <laughs> yeah. all, all of our all of our friends we don't have to work anymore we could just game essentially and buy stuff which would be i, I would love that. Yeah, we
3: could just start like yeah, a giant so commune
0: uh, yeah, they kill me. I, I mean, I, again, I, one day we'll have just a games workshop focused pod at some point. You're, look, I feel exactly the same way as you do. There's definitely elements of a lot of the games I played growing up that are fun, and honestly, I always loved their. I don't know what you might call them their box games or their separate games yeah. like Mordheim and Blood Bowl. Mm-hmm. All specialists. Yeah, games. yeah. It's I don't know. It's it's very what they're what the company is doing these days is very interesting to say the least. You know, it's yeah. almost like. This is how I feel. Um, when you look at a, at some of the really expensive models, like the characters and stuff, it almost seems like it shouldn't be on a table. Like it, it, feel, it almost feels like it should be on a shelf somewhere. I can't imagine pushing a model like that around the table. And on top of the fact that the tables now are like three three by two or four yeah. by three or whatever it is, it just and the models are bigger, so it just looks very odd to me. You know. Well, you guys need to play yeah. Middle Earth. <laughs> no, I know. I've heard that's one of their best games. I have I have hundred percent heard that. And I also heard that um that was really the beginning of Games Workshop kind of rebounding from some of the issues they had. That's really that game. And often we don't think of the company that way, but it's true. Like a lot of collectors buy those minis, you know? So and we know Kelly, you it's your one of your favorite games. Oh yeah, right? yeah. I'll, I'll I'll host a game for you sometime soon. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we could definitely do that. Here's a question for you, Steve. Um, hopefully that wasn't an abrupt transition. I just don't want to pick up <laughs> Um Have you ever thought about kind of putting your own rules out there? Is that something you've ever thought about, or do you kind of, or, or or would you prefer? With a lot of us do this, you know, picking your favorite rules and kind of putting them together.
3: So recently I started taking the rules that I, you know, co-opted from various rule sets for my convention beer and pretzels style rules. And again, you know, those are, I couldn't actually sell those or anything because they're so heavily based on other rule sets. But I started to really break that rule set down and start over from scratch on it almost entirely. Um, and make it a more competitive game for a, a one-on-one game, two-on-two type game. And those rules, the new updated rules that I've been playtesting with Kelly, I am thinking about putting them out there. I have a few friends who I've tested it with. My friend Udo, who is not, um, you know, probably going to hear this podcast, but my friend uh, Matt, who he play tested them with me as well. So i play tested them with three or four people. Shelby and I did a quick run one night. Um... And yes, so the answer, the short answer is yes. I do think yeah, that'd be cool. Eventually, I'd like to put them out there as once they're significantly play tested and also different enough from existing rule sets that I feel like um, you know, it's uh, there, there's a niche for it in the market. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember
1: in our play tests uh, a couple weeks ago, your your big concern in making these rules, and I, I wasn't fortunate enough to play your uh, William Henry game, but. You'd mentioned that you want it to feel very uh, French and Indian War esque. Right. You want to have that flavor. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit at all? Like how maybe it might compare uh, for any of the listeners that did maybe attend um, the Historicon game or any of the other times you've run the game?
3: Sure. Uh, period flavor is everything to me. When I'm playing a period, you know, if I'm playing a World War II game, I want it. I want it to feel like a World War II game. I don't want it to feel like a just. It could be any bolt action setting anywhere. At any point you know if i'm playing a civil war game i wanted to feel like a civil war game not just a horse and musket game uh period flavor for me is really the whole thing unfortunately in my fort william henry game you know i really had to to pull back from the period flavor to make it playable with the amount of people that i had i did include some small uh rules like the native american uh, indigenous units that i had on the board they were the most flavorful as far as like period uh, rules go, you know, I included some rules for them, you know, after they have a successful assault, and this is historically true, they were more concerned with capturing live prisoners than continuing the battle because their populations have been decimated by settler colonialism and by disease. Um, so they were more interested in taking live prisoners and bringing them back to their villages to adopt into their tribes so after this very powerful, successful Native American indigenous assault occurs, they automatically become disordered. And that symbolizes them not, you know, being undisciplined, but then, you know, going about their own sort of objectives on the battlefield after they've successfully defeated an enemy. Um, you know, taking uh, gunpowder and, and muskets as well. They didn't have the means to produce those at that time. So I did include some rules, uh, but in the new and updated rule set, I've included... um a unit rating system for fire control, because these short range musket battles in the wilderness were all about fire control. Um, The British were very, very good at it. Um, The French were good at it in the beginning, as long as they, you know, were making good use of their indigenous allies and had a a position of cover. Um, And I've included bonuses for native American indigenous units being cover. So they, if they're in the open, they fight at a certain rating. And if they're in cover, their rating goes up. Uh, and that's how I've sort of handled that. Um, the the British Redcoats are just very good at it uh, in the open. Um, so we're really trying to get these units to have some sort of period flavor.
0: And are you going to try to take what you're describing here and do it at convention games? Do you think you can pull that off?
3: With a smaller amount of players, Yes. yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, small games are fun because you had that ton of people. I mean, what was it like yeah. 10 or 12 people or 14 people per game? 16. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, like 16 yeah. Game, at, 10, the, at the one game.
2: Yeah, 10, at the Fort William Henry.
3: 10, 10 at the others, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So.
0: so when you say a smaller game, are you looking for what, like six people?
3: Yeah, three yeah. on a side, I think would yeah. be the most. And the then more. you
0: think you can incorporate some of these ideas. Absolutely. Very cool. And by the way, you kind of beat me to the punch because this was something that I wanted to bring up. You were like a savant when it comes to history in general, but I would say even more specifically, like the tri-state area. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, um, I don't use that word loosely, Steve. Um, for uh-huh. those of you, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk a little bit here, and I'm gonna, I'll swell your ego a little. So for your for listeners out there, if you ever go to Armchair Emperor on Instagram, what you will basically see is Steve should be famous. It, it, he really should be on the History Channel. Like he should be – right? I mean you should be 100%. Now for our audience, why is that? Because what Steve does – and I know, Shelby, you're a part of this as well. Steve will travel around New York State, and he will make gravestones interesting. Which, as a history teacher, and I know Steve is more or less a history teacher, and I know that you're in school right now to get some more credits towards that, but you seem to just absorb information like few people I've ever met. How was that, by the way? Was that – that's why your ego a little or too much?
3: Yeah, you're uh, making me (laughs) talk about it. Yeah, tell people. So basically, um, one of my other hobbies, which is adjacent to the gaming hobby, is to visit historical sites, as you said – And, you know, I I did have the opportunity to go to Europe and visit some of the bigger sites when I was younger. Um, But we have so much cool local history here. People forget that our suburbs, our cities, you know, these were frontier battlefields at one point. You know, you don't think of your little suburban neighborhood as being a place where there was a burning or a massacre or or a skirmish or a battle, you know, but they were all over. And not just in the big wars that you'd think of, like the American Revolution and the Civil War, you know, in New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New England, the the Northeast in general, you know, the conflict started as soon as, you know, before the Europeans arrived, there were wars between indigenous nations. And then as soon as the Europeans arrived, you know, they brought their colonists brought the wars of old Europe with them. Mm. And it really starts, you know, with the war of the League of Augsburg in Europe turning into, I forget what they called it, King William's War here, and then uh, War of Spanish Succession, and they called that Queen Anne's War here, um, War of Austrian Succession, they called it King George's War, Seven Years' War, we called the French and Indian War, so on and so forth. So you have these massive European conflicts that spill over into Northeastern communities, uh, both indigenous and European settlers, and there's just so much of that around. There are roadside markers, there are plaques, there are graves, as you've mentioned, and really on the Instagram, you know, you won't see a ton of that unless I have some time off. So if, if, if I'm working and going to college, you're going to see like, you know, the usual Instagram stuff, you know, food and, and board games I've been playing. And then as soon as I get some time off in the summer, as you mentioned, you know, I, I do sort of seasonal kind of work and I've been a teaching assistant and I work with adults with disabilities right now. um, Then you'll start to see all of the the markers and the battlefields and the forts and uh, yeah, over the summer you, you get a lot more of that.
0: Yeah, indeed. Where did this passion come from? Was it school or was it at home or something, on a movie or TV or where did it come
3: from? It's my grandfather. Um, mm-hmm. So my grandpa was really into history. He showed me the movies Waterloo and Henry V when I was a kid. Um, you know, he took me to see uh, Gladiator and The Patriot, even though those, though those aren't faithful historical uh, accounts of those time periods. They're still cool. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, he, he took me to Europe when I was a kid. I got to see Rome, uh, the ruins of old Carthage, uh, the Roman city of Carthage, actually, the Carthaginian city. There's nothing left. Mm-hmm. Um, Spain, you know, all these cool places. And uh, I had this great opportunity with him when I was younger to see all this history. And, you know, as I got older, I wanted to start finding places that were a little bit closer to home.
0: Yeah, makes yeah. sense. And yeah, what so- about you, Shelby? Do you Do you kind of... Did you have a, a love of history? Because, I mean, you clearly like it, obviously. I mean, was that something that predates Steve? Or was it something that you got into when you guys got together? How does that I work? I really
2: fell in love with it because of the way that Steve taught it to me. Um, prior to meeting him, history to me uh, in school. Well, just for clarification, I grew up on the West Coast. So oh, really? I didn't know that. didn't have a lot of. Um you know, when I took like American history and stuff like that it it always felt very distant. It was very similar yeah. to about history anywhere else in the world um because so much of it you know obviously happened over on the east coast so to me it didn't I didn't really feel that um connection until i one moved out here and then two really met Steve, and he really introduced me to it and then to take what I'd learned and, and also what he had taught me and then to actually be standing at the place where that happened, um, completely brought it to life for me and, and, and gave it all new meaning, um, and really made it feel real. It wasn't just yeah. like a story, like it really gave it that kind of life.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Um,
2: and then we make like a whole day out of it, you know, like we'll do week- weekend trips where we go to one particular area and, you know, we'll see various sites and then we just have fun, you know, it's, Yeah. Really nice, you know. Yeah.
0: And by the way, that's a word that I have been thinking about this whole podcast, right? There's something that is just so fun about what the two of you bring to the gaming community. Because, again, I don't, I know how I come off sometimes. Like, I can poke a little bit, but, and I'm going to poke now. I mean, sometimes you go on the miniatures page, and I don't know how many of you have ever been on that, but don't get me wrong. Like, I've gotten a lot out of that page, like, history wise, but good God, like, Some of the threads you'll read and like criticisms of rules and does this, you know, rule set really, you know, show us what it was like to be in the American Civil War or something along those lines. Some of those people, it's just a bit much, you know. So hearing you guys bridge the gap between, yeah, we love history, but we also just like to roll dice and we like 54 millimeter Mm -hmm. and we just want to have fun. That's really uh, warming, to me and relieving on some level, you know, does that make sense?
2: (laughs)
3: Yeah, sure. And, and, you know, I just want to put it out there. Like everyone enjoys history differently and everybody enjoys their hobby differently. You know, I have a friend who introduced me to these really complex paper chip and hex games where it's like area control, but like we're playing a Russian revolution game and you need to know how much sauerkraut you need to feed the German army. <laughs> right. You know, like it, it goes down to the minutest of detail. There's weather, there's attrition. If right. it's a winter turn, you can't garrison a city with so many units. And right. I can see the benefit in that. Like, you know, I love beer and pretzels gaming. That's my style. Yeah. But I don't, I don't knock people who want more than that either. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I play games, which are meatier, and they can be a real emergent experience. And mm-hmm. my current life, just a little bit about both of us, we're both working and mm-hmm. we're both college to finish our degrees. You know, that's why we do things the way we do them. You know, we, we do the 54 millimeter that we already have because we want to save money, and we do the beer and pretzel style roll sets because we just don't have a ton of time. Right. Um, and yeah, we want something that's fun. Fun and we can engage yeah. with, with our schedule and our budget yeah. at this
2: point.
0: How often do you guys game? Like, in your apartment? Like, is it often, or?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think, again, it depends on what time of year it is. You know, like, um, you know, now that we're in school and semester and, you know, midterms and all that kind of stuff, we haven't gamed a lot lately. Yeah. But definitely in the summer, we're gaming, like, pretty often. And when we have time off, you know, for the holidays and stuff, we game a lot,
3: so... (laughs) We do a lot of board games, too, non-war mm-hmm. games. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. too. Like, uh, we, we'll do, like, any of the... If you go to the board game section at your local Barnes & Noble or anywhere else, we've played most of the games in there, you oh, know? Yeah, uh, cool. Just yeah, a lot. And
2: we, like, going to the gaming cafes around us, too, just to play, <laughs> again, any any kind of board game.
3: You guys <laughs> have a few of those, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big collection.
0: Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, there's there's a gaming store in New Pulse now that kind of does the... Um, like you can kind of go and get food or coffee and then play a game. I just don't remember the name of it. You guys will probably know it, right?
3: Yeah, It's Gunks Gaming Guild. Gunks uh, Gaming Guild? Yeah. Yeah, which which Gunks is short for the Shawanagunk Mountains, which are, which yeah. are there. Uh, yeah, we both go to college, you know, literally right down, down the yeah. street. Yeah. So we, we've done a lot of, you know, uh, meet up for coffee there. And I, I, have a, I have a miniature gaming buddy who lives around the corner from that cafe as well. So we've actually brought... A miniature game in there once which everyone was like oh you know they, they thought it was really cool i was wondering if they were gonna you know the the more mass market board game crowd was gonna think it was weird yeah uh, there were people playing like magic cards next to us and dnd and you know board games settlers of katana and they were looking over at our rev war game and and you know thinking it was really cool a lot of people yeah. came up and asked questions they wanted to know you know how it worked uh no, so it's I very cool it's fun yeah yeah New Jersey-
1: Oh, go Jersey, ahead. Kel. Yeah, New Jersey. Stephen and I actually took a DBA game <laughs> to a uh, Starbucks one day, and a lot of people like drop by look and ask, like, "Hey, what's that?" Like, they're really into it, which is kind of funny. <laughs> no, that is that is cool.
0: Yeah,
2: I love how oh. the culture around gaming has changed so much. I mean, like, if you go back even not that far, even just when we were kids, it was. I feel like it was thought of as super nerdy, and it had yeah. kind of a stigma around it. And I think now with just the you know, um, how it's become kind of mainstream to game and and board game. And that, you know, they've, um, it has had such a comeback, you know, against like video games and all that kind of stuff to see a lot of people really enjoy it. And for that stigma to not really be there the way that it used to be, I think is, is, is really cool.
0: It really is. Yeah. And being like the gray beard here, I hate to call myself that as I look at myself on zoom, but no, it's true. Like you don't, you didn't tell people back in the day you did this. No, you know, I, at least I certainly didn't, you know, and I had to be really close to someone to really kind of be like, yeah, like, take a look at this thing that I do. And now it's like we rule the world, you know, Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and I say that proudly, you know, and I do credit Stranger Things on some level for that just yeah. because, you know, that was such a, a huge show and. All of a sudden, everybody wants to play D anD D, and everybody knows what D anD D is right. now, you know. So, which is definitely, definitely a good thing. But is, what I was going to say before is, it's too bad that cafe didn't exist a while back. Because I mean, I don't know if you guys know this. My wife went to New Paul's. so oh, we cool. lived. Yeah, so we lived in Beacon um, before all the hipsters got there. We lived there for I think. I think five years or so. And yeah, we used to hang out in New Paltz fairly regularly. Uh, Bacchus was our favorite place.
2: Oh, nice.
3: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and I, I, that Bacchus is still there, right? Yeah. I kind yeah. I of, I, I'm afraid to go here though, because this is a live podcast. Maybe I shouldn't go. I was going to say like, I hope the food is still good. <laughs> it isn't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. That's what I figured. It got really bad. Yeah. yeah that's so sad because that place was killer. Like I, we used to go there a lot, even though, sure a lot is a strong word because there's a 5 year difference b- between my wife and I so i was kind of like the old guy like who had a job like teaching and i always felt weird you know being around like you know the undergrads or whatever so yeah, yeah. you know what i mean but uh it's fun. so by the way so so just because i'm sure our listeners would be interested so so you're both at new paul's at the same time what kinds of degrees are you guys going for so shelby what are you what are you sort of doing at the school at the moment
2: I initially started at New Pulse with the idea of um, doing teaching uh, with um, uh, with um, uh, younger kids, uh, elementary level uh, education. uh, And I started working in a school and I realized that that wasn't the direction I wanted to go in. Um, So I'm actually going towards um, I'm I'm graduating with my bachelor's in psychology uh, next month and I'm going for my master's in social work. Um, and I would like to be a therapist and I hope to also have um, maybe work part time teaching at, on a college level.
0: Yeah, itself. that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And, and Steve, I know you're you're looking to teach, right? Yeah.
3: So I have uh, a lesson education with a focus in in uh, social studies is going to be my undergrad. Sweet. Um, and then, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about what we my- were graduate degree is going to be because I'm sort of trying to tailor my resume a little bit more towards the independent school yeah. uh, field, you know, and and knowing now that some of these employers look for more content area degrees rather than degrees in general education uh, credits, you know, is interesting. So as far as undergraduate, you know, that's where I'm at. But as far as graduate goes, I have some thinking to do.
0: Very cool. Well, the thing is, I mean, if you get a... Uh... If you get a master's in history, man, you can have some fun with that. Cause like, you know, you'll have to you'll have to have a focus and with the amount of stuff that you like. I mean right. it would be yeah. easy. <laughs> It'd be, be fun. Sure. I you love already, grad school.
2: you already have the knowledge of someone at a master's level, if yeah. not some areas higher. So I don't think it's the content, it's just, you know, the marathon of making it through all the classes. Yeah, it's a lot.
0: I mean, so I I got I got my master's in history at the same time i was w- working full-time i don't know how i did it like just remembering back i mean i would basically work from i don't know like you know eight thirty or 9 o'clock whenever because i was a teacher assistant first so i would do that until three and then i have class from five to nine i did two years of coursework in a year i don't yeah. know how the hell i did it but it was fun i i loved it so so cool. steve you know maybe at some point or another um we can definitely you know talk talk on the side but um Yeah, independent schools, you know, for those of you out there that are educators, I'm sure you would, you know, this will make sense. Yeah, a lot of times, independent schools, it's almost like sort of the opposite of public education, where with public education, they care more about whether you can manage the room and they figure you'll learn the content as you go. Whereas for independent schools, it's like they want you to know the content first and then you'll pick up the teaching skills, you know, along the way. That's kind of what I've always felt. So I don't know if you guys have heard similar or, you know,
2: That's definitely been my experience working in schools, and that's why I stopped going towards my teaching degree. Gotcha. Gotcha, 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 So
0: just to kind of start to wrap up, even though um, I I feel like you guys would be good co-hosts as well. I mean, we got Kelly. You know, at some point or another, when we bring some more folks on, we could have bigger podcasts, which I think would be a lot of fun. What I love to do towards the end of our uh, little interview here is just talk about things that are sort of upcoming, like stuff that you're working on or stuff you're working towards. Um, I, I guess we could probably start with Steve Shelby. I don't know. So what are you guys doing? Are you guys doing anything interesting in the, uh, in the coming weeks or coming months, like gaming wise?
3: I'm working on a pike and shot. Um Cool. Set of miniatures actually uh, in 132nd and i also have uh, a bunch of 172nd stuff sitting there uh, for sort of a, a less studied conflict in eastern europe and the balkans called the the long turkish war which was in mm-hmm. the holy league that's the 172nd set on um, the 132nd to 54 millimeters i'm going to be doing uh, earlier colonial conflicts that people haven't heard of like there was a uh, a battle and a massacre between French Huguenots and Spanish conquistadors in Florida. Um, I was going to do that. I was going to do some s- attacks by Powhatan's forces on Jamestown, um, some of the Dutch versus Lenny Lenape in upstate New York. Um, you know, basically, cool. pike and shot colonial stuff.
0: Now, are you going to bring that to Historicon? Is that the idea? Or, yeah? Yeah, that's, cool. that, that's
3: the idea. If it's done in time, it should be. i No, pretty very cool.
0: Yeah. That's very cool. You guys should get, like, a banner for, yeah. you we know. Oh, you do? I didn't realize that.
2: Yeah. yeah. Back when we used to do painting commissions.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, you guys should totally bring it. You know, get your own table and just run everything on there so people – I mean, people know who you are anyway, but,
3: you know. Yeah, a lot of people do, and a lot of people at the convention, um, you know, showed up and said hi who, were to, who had been Instagram friends for a long time.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's cool because, yeah, you both have quite the following, you know, seemingly, like, very organically done, you know. Which is kind of awesome. So okay. and Shelby, what about you? Like are you gonna are you gonna kind of help with some of that work for these games? Or are you kind of doing other things? Because I'm sure you also have you know, like probably your own specific interests, right?
2: I do. Um I, I definitely think I'll be helping out. I'd I'd really like to talk with Steve and kind of figure out what kind of terrain he'd like to build for those because that's that's really what I enjoy. I really enjoy painting larger, um like we were talking about earlier, those more centerpiece kind of um Uh, Models and then I really like terrain building. Um, Yeah.
0: Very cool. You guys should totally come to, uh, we have a next gen event in Greenwich. I know that's a little bit of a hike for you guys. Um, But at some point, we should do like a little event together, whether it's just about terrain building or running, you know, some games. And, you know, which, you know, again, for our listeners out there, I mean, Steve, you've done that. I mean, you've run a few games with us and stuff. And
3: we actually did one together. Shelby did one at the library in, um, it's, it's close to Newbold's gardener. So oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, they're great. That's a yeah. really awesome library. Yeah, great for
3: you know? the kids and, and some of those kiddos actually showed up to the historical. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it very cool. cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, people talk about the graying of the hobby and, and how it's, um, you know, sort of in danger. And, and I actually don't see that quite as negatively as some people do. Maybe it's from working with you, actually. And yeah. Next gen. But I see that there's a lot of young people who like to play analog games and, you know, mm-hmm. in-person games and board games and
0: yeah, uh, you
3: know, it's coming back in a big way.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely see it. I, I, I find depending on how one looks at it, right. Um, to me, I, I just want people to play. Yeah. Whether they come to the cons or not or something, or when next gen, I mean, at some point next gen is going to run her own con. Um, you know whether they come or not, whatever. I, I just want people to play. So, and I feel like we have been pretty successful in that sense. You know, um, probably because of our all of our collective charming personalities. Probably, <laughs> you know, um, Kelly McManus. Oh no. <laughs> so
3: prussians he's painting prussians Wait, I'm probably painting something germanic i'm actually, not. Dramatic, I'm actually not
0: yeah <laughs> so <I'm> actually,
3: what
0: are <laughs> do you I mean, doing with yourself kelly what
3: am i doing other than
0: yeah. recovering uh I, other I, than recovering from your cold
1: i i have been painting french believe it or not i don't know <laughs> if i believe it <laughs> i don't believe I, it. <laughs> i could put it on the, the podcast the listeners won't be able to see it but i do yeah. have some uh, like, having, um, no very nice french um it's fun for the big Napoleonic project that me, cool. New Jersey Steve, and our club is doing, yeah. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. I'm actually, yeah, I mentioned last
0: time I'm like uh, cleaning them off. Uh, yeah, some, like, no, that's with, cool. Some alcohol. And how was your World War II game the other day? So you played one of the quote-unquote commander games, right? Yeah,
1: we played Blitzkrieg Commander. Um, Did you it was like it? Fun. Yeah, I saw the similarities from where it draws inspiration. Um, from uh, what was the? game that we played at your house, the war master. That's a sure. Um, I see like some of the influences from that uh, where you have to like do command roles. Thankfully the command yeah. rolls are, are a bit more uh, forgiving.
3: Yeah. You know, it's actually kind of
0: funny. It's embarrassing because I'm supposed to be good at this, but probably the most disastrous game I ever, I ever have run um, was for a bunch of middle school kids playing one of the commander series oh, of me. games. Like I think it was future war commander.
3: It was a disaster. Because
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I didn't think about it ahead of time and figured they'd be able to handle some of those mechanics or you really have to pay attention. So for those of you listening out there, even though I feel like I'm being long-winded, we're we're at the hour mark, which is, you know, usually this is where we stop, but this is too interesting to talk about. My failures, right? Um, So if you've never played the Commander series of games, whether it's Blitzkrieg Commander, Future War Commander, whatever... It's really cool because it's a very intuitive game, but you have to pay attention and you've got to make command rolls to interrupt your opponent. Which for middle school kids, not so much. And by the way, the teachers in in, in on this pod right now are basically nodding along with me. Maybe this is something I should have thought about. And it was pretty it was pretty rough. I, I remember like literally having to stop the game before it was over be like guys i can't do this anymore. because <laughs> <Wow. laughs> it was just a disaster, you know. But wait, what but apparently it was not a disaster for you, Kelly McManus.
1: No, i mean the, <laughs> there were rules that we fumbled around with cuz Stephen was New Jersey Stephen was uh teaching me how to play it. Um so will have to get him on and and talk about that, but um yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, it was a fun game. It was an easy, fun game. Uh, I know that he wants to like do a campaign out of it,
0: like the invasion cool. of Holland, because he likes playing the Dutch. <laughs> yeah, for
1: some reason, um, yeah, it is a little weird. Yeah, yeah, but he's but not. Um, he's
0: you know, it's not like a heritage thing. I don't think it's just, no, he, just he just came upon Dutch history,
1: the Dutch. and uh, I mean, New Jersey is settled by the Dutch, right? So I guess. he likes that local New Jersey history, and I guess that I that's feel like that's a history. stretch, though. It's a little bit but of a stretch. Yeah, I'm yeah, he also
3: likes it. playing the Spanish and Portuguese for Napoleonics. He just likes to play these tiny little factions. He does.
1: Yeah. He, he's painting up Austrians right now for Napoleonic. Oh. So that's that's a different ball game for him.
0: Yeah, that is that is a little wild. So, um not that any anybody cares what I do, but um, Yeah, what are you will, doing right well, now? Well, I no no no, well, I will say this. Um cuz I I know I always talk about this. I'm obsessed with the uh War of the Roses right now. So I've been sort of absorbing uh information about that. Um Here's where we can kind of end the podcast because this is something that's on my mind. So I'm going to take my dad because I know, uh, Steve, you were talking about Waterloo earlier, the movie. I think I watched that movie every single week for about five or six years, maybe probably longer. So I am going to go see the Napoleon movie with my father.
3: Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm pretty good about turning off the history brain and just kind of going and enjoying it. I don't Me know about too. you guys. Yeah, yeah
1: we that, thumbs up or thumbs down. I think down that's or, a movie that you have to. Anything Ridley yeah. Scott does, like you have to turn off the history brain. I really. enjoyed
3: Braveheart, and I know it has nothing to do with the actual Scottish War of Independence. Yeah. So whatever, it's just yeah. a movie. It'll be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's on my mind. That's going to be like uh, a pre-Thanksgiving uh, little endeavor. So should be good.
3: Some of our club members have been uh, posting a lot about that, right, Kelly? On the yeah. Um, Okay, we have to organize a night for this. It's like, you know, we
1: all live in different places. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: it's always tough. I mean, because again, like with the internet, we can connect even though the three of us are in literally three different states. Yeah, but it does get a little bit harder when it's like, oh, let's all go see this movie together. And especially the older one gets. It's like, all right, Right. let's let's look at the litany of things on the schedule, which always sucks. That's what I'm saying, though. Hopefully the podcast becomes big enough where we can all retire on some level, you know, which would be really fun. (laughs) It's a pipe dream, you know. Yeah, we could go uh, uh,
1: publish some war game rules, and we know. could, we definitely <laughs>
0: could. All right, our, our audience is probably tired of us at this point. They probably have been in the car for a while, and you know, because I guess that's probably where people mostly listen to podcasts. So, um, if you have been listening and you've made it through, um, this was a lot of fun, uh, Stephen Shelby. You guys are great. This was this was a blast. I hope you guys had fun as well.
2: Thank
3: you. Yeah, I definitely good. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun. We'll have to come back on.
0: Oh, definitely. And then also, we'll get together at some point. We'll, you know, whether it's a next gen event or we'll have you guys up to the house or something like that, we'll, we'll do some gaming, you know. And uh, Kelly McManus, we're going to be seeing a lot of each other soon, mm-hmm. yep. like just a few more weeks. So, again, for those of you that are still with us, um, yeah, so business cards, uh, banner, it's going to be great. Hoodies. It's going to be great. Yeah, with art made by uh, Matt Rendar. I'll give you a shout. Uh, Battle Tribe. He, he did the logo and the design and everything for for the pod. So we'll be walking around packs with uh, my giant face um, on the back <laughs> of our hoodie, which will be great. You know, we'll have to uh, say hello to people and see. That's going to be really the hard part. I appear to be very friendly, but I am actually very shy in a lot of ways, which no one ever believes. But the idea uh, of walking up to people to give business cards out is just anathema to me. Like you know kelly you'll have to do that
1: yeah yeah like i sound
0: silent on here but in person like i could turn on you are very gregarious yeah you just sort of get out there and you know
1: do what has to be done
0: (laughs) all right well look let's end on that note being gregarious right all right everybody so audience people stay hydrated um get a workout in maybe you know paint some miniatures play some board games and i hope that everybody has a lovely day all right everyone thank you
2: thank you thank
0: you you. all right bye guys Thank you so much for listening to today's 20-sided gamified podcast. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www.nasaga.org My Instagram handle is hmgs underscore nextgen. Underscore eight. Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and roll some 20s. Thank
3: you so much.